Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Team Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, lover of Nikhil Harry, and say Christian McCaffrey would go a thousand, a thousand before it was cool. Your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by uh, two guys, most of the guys, uh, the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, and DK Metcalf's number one admirer, resident old man Clark Barnes, and fantasy football's premier internet doctor, the biggest 49ers fan you know, and the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, ginger normal man Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Yeah, really good, man. How are you? I am good. Uh, breaking news of the weekend is that we somehow magically became golf famous. Uh, our tweeted out, we tweeted out a video, obviously about our podcast, like one or two weeks ago, talking about how you Marcus Mariota should get traded to the bears, which he should, because Mitchell Trubisky looks like hot trash. And then Peter Jacobson, who is a PGA tour and champions pro is an analyst for NBC sports and the golf channel, uh, retweeted it saying, yes, free Marcus Mariota. So we're golf famous, you guys. We are now a, a golf podcast, and we will exclusively be talking about fantasy golf to appease our new uh, listener base. That works for me. Golf's fun. Is that that's real? For the listeners at home, Pete is now holding his phone up to the camera to verify that this is indeed a real thing. That's remarkable. So there we go. So uh, quick, your your sexiest, most tantalizing bit of uh, golf news, Clark. Go. PGA Tour uh, should be kicking off here in a couple of months. Really excited for the golfing. Yeah, I won uh, the only fantasy golf league I've ever been a part of on the heels of uh, uh, Vijay Singh. So yeah. we have an expert yep, already. We have, we have an expert. Clark is, Clark is the tape analyst. Nick is yep. the fantasy expert. And uh, the only time I've ever played golf, I got kicked off the courts because my brother and I Court. and my father were uh, were celebrating too much and weren't playing the game how it's supposed to be played. So the guy, the greensman was like, you can't play here anymore because you guys are being too, you're not respecting the rules of golf. So I am a trained professional. That's one of the great things about golf is they don't allow rabble rousers. Like, Is that a great thing though? pollute the yeah oh no it's great <laughs> take it from someone who who is a very mild rabble rouser it's nice to have some peace and quiet every once in a while that's i guess mildly fair plus if they didn't have that rule in place we would never have a film like happy gilmore i mean happy gilmore wouldn't make sense if he was just joining a a sport that was equally filled with rabble rousers if happy yeah. gilmore suddenly decided to take his talents to the nba everyone would be like why is this a movie i don't want to watch adam sandler play basketball but when he takes his hockey antics to golf, now that's a film everyone needs to watch. 
This is where Airbud went wrong. Yes, Airbud needed to go to a sport that didn't respect dogs. Like I was going to say dog fighting, and that was just not going to be a good take. Well, yeah, I, mean, I just accurate. I mean, yeah, not having oh, it man. is it is the sport that doesn't respect dogs. Anyways, let's start the show. <laughs> All right, we have lots to get to. We are going to go through week nine tidbits. Uh, we are going to fire up the rest of season simulator machine and uh, get our waiver wire ads. But first, as we always do, got to give our week eight fantasy MVPs. Nick, we'll start with you. Who is your MVP for week eight? I forgot to do mine. So I'm going to spoil something later on and say that uh, I think Austin Hooper is uh, he, he's going to continue to be a season long difference maker. And uh, the fact that he posted a double digit finish again this week, even though he's playing with a backup quarterback, that's kind of a, a, a big deal when, when a, a pass catcher can continue to produce at the top 12 of their position. Uh, even with a backup in, uh, that that says a lot about him and and the breakout that he's had this year. So for me, I'll I'll just roll with Austin Hooper and foreshadowing. We're going to be talking about him more later on. Ooh, tantalizing! Yeah, he's a good, and not only that, he's a good MVP because of the fact that he, again, we've touched on this. I think we've had a few tight ends show up on this list. He's playing in a position where a huge performance is a is the difference between winning and losing because you automatically have an edge over your opponent because likely your opponent doesn't have a tight end that puts up, you know, 15 points with regularity. Clark, who's your MVP for week eight? So I had a, an absolutely insane DFS weekend fellas. I won $25. Clark Burns, everybody worth of wagering. Uh, all of my lineups are submitted uh, when I'm doing paperwork of course, enjoying the throne. <laughs> so really excited for the big win. And my fantasy MVP is someone who I doubled down this week on and traded for in another league. That's struggling Mike Evans, who put up 198 yards and two touchdowns. Since Lamar Jackson is off this week, I had to go with someone else. You had to, so right. I picked uh, the veritable roller coaster, Mike Evans, this week. It is amazing because Mike Evans – has given you some just truly awful games. And yet I think he's the receiver who's appeared the most on our fantasy MVP segment. And it's because when he hits, he hits for like, he doesn't go below a hundred yards. It's either he gets you nothing or he gets you 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. And you can't argue with that. I, I hope that they can get a, a, a real quarterback in there to work with this pass catching core because because it's filthy. It is so, so good, and we're wasting talent um, having them being led by Jameis Winston right now. Um, they're, yeah, they're so damn good. Um, if you're Tampa, do you think about shooting a, I don't know, third-round pick Miami's way this offseason for Josh Rosen? That would be so mean to Josh Rosen. But Josh Rosen's not going to have the starting gig, or he's not going to have a chance in Miami. Miami is specifically tanking for a quarterback. It's not like they're going to – it's going to be exactly what happened in Arizona. And for Josh Rosen, what better situation to find yourself in than even if Bruce Arians isn't still there, right? You have Byron Leftwich, who's more or less seemingly going to take over, and you now are throwing to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, if they keep O.J. Howard, O.J. Howard. Like, that's – the. I would give up the first two years of my NFL career to go throw to those guys. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's 
that's actually a, like a, a pretty phenomenal spot to finally fall into. Um, my only concern is I, I'm not familiar with uh, the strength of Josh Rosen's arm. Do yeah, you guys know he, what his deep ball ability is like? He's a pure pocket passer. He can chuck it. Okay. So um, then fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. After all the shit Josh Rosen has gone through, he deserves at least a minor win. And even doing just one year in Tampa, throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Guy would, would be a win. I guess I just keep thinking that Tampa Bay is cursed. It might be a good destination. There's incredible talent there. I just feel, you know, Tampa Bay is also not good. I'd like to see Josh Rosen, like, take over for Teddy Bridgewater, backing up Drew Brees and then taking over for him or something. My my football knowledge has drastically increased since this point in time. But I was baffled when, yeah, yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm going the other way, so um, things out. We're balancing out on the podcast. Got to keep things even. (laughs) I was so baffled when they – pulled the plug on the Josh Freeman experiment. That team seemed like it was going places and they had so many young guys on so many God, I uh, forgot uh, about Josh contracts. Freeman. Yeah, it like it was it was a fun time. It was a really young team and I I don't know uh Greg Shano, I think was the I think he took over. They, like they had Lovey Smith there. Oh, that's probably what it was. I think Freeman probably got blamed for a defensive minded coach not knowing what to do on. All right, we can move on. Yeah, I mean, Freeman only had one good season. He had the one season where he threw 25 touchdowns and six interceptions and then followed that immediately up by 16 touchdowns and 22 interceptions and then 27 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So these are – I'm not looking at stats right now. I'm just rattling these numbers off the top of my head because that's just how amazing my memory is. Forgot who he was. Remember the numbers. I am I am looking at the numbers. I'm not – don't don't think I have this kind of memory. Uh, my week eight MVP is uh, who do I have? Oh, Aaron Jones. Uh, I mean, he's suddenly now become like a challenger with Christian McCaffrey for the best running back in fantasy and Dalvin Cook, I guess too. But but he uh, who needs wide receivers when you have Aaron Jones and uh, and Jamal Williams like <laughs> catching every ball that's thrown their way. So. Uh, I think he's a lock for if you had him on your lineups, you definitely won. And he's been winning multiple fantasy matchups for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm on board with that one. All right. With that uh, accomplished, let's get on to week nine, the fantasy football tidbits. I have to hold, I, no one can see this because it's a podcast, it's an audio medium. But in order to do that voice, I have to have like pretend like I'm sipping a teacup with my pinky out. It's my like pretentious rich person voice uh, because I feel like tidbits is a, is a r- pretentious rich person thing to say. Maybe it's not. That's just my tidbits. This is why you're not accepted on the golf course, Pete. This is this is why the golf course is me for life. Yes, yes, I fully believe that. Uh, let's start with the thing that actually didn't happen during the weekend, but happened just Monday slash today when we're recording this. But Monday when you're listening to this, uh, Kenyon Drake gets traded from the Miami Dolphins, escapes uh, the black hole that is Miami, and their uh, their tanking to join the Arizona Cardinals, which immediately makes people think uh, it's very worrying. If you are a David Johnson owner right now, Chase Edmonds, they have said he has a hamstring injury and is believed to be missing a couple of weeks with it. Nick, we'll start with you. What is happening? I think that they just tried to bullshit everybody. Um, not, not this, uh, not week eight, but week seven with, with David Johnson's 
health. Uh, it seems like he has a high ankle sprain and I don't know what the deal is with the back, but um, high ankle sprains, that's enough to keep you out for a month. Now that they, they don't have like all world backup Chase Edmonds to run with, they can't keep saying, Oh no, like, he, maybe he'll play. Maybe he'll play everywhere. They have to actually just go get people uh, to fill in. So he's, he's already been basically ruled out for this week. I think it, if, if it isn't, um, it's basically going to be the, the Kenyon Drake show in the backfield for Thursday night. Yeah. Against yeah, the 49ers, yeah. which is not exactly the, uh, the game, the team you want to like introduce yourself to a whole new fan base with. So I think, I think depending on your scoring format though, Kenyon Drake could be a, a startable asset, especially if it's a PPR halfway PPR, um, format because he he's basically going to be brought in to, to take like eight targets maybe seven carries and uh all those targets are just going to be safety valves as the Niners line comes crashing down around Kyler Murray uh so if he's just racking up points just by catching you know two yard passes like that that will return value um I think it's a great fit it's it's almost a shame for for Kenya Drake that David Johnson's even there yeah, that was tough. I'm a little more pessimistic on what that might look like. The 49ers defense has shut down some some good running backs. Nick Chubb held to let's get ESPN scoring here to 9.9 points. Christian McCaffrey had 21 and a half points, which is basically completely stopping in terms of <laughs> what Christian McCaffrey yeah. has been doing to people this year. Uh, but I do think that the skill set lines up really nicely one thing that's confusing about a couple of these trades is some teams that are absolutely out of it are trading trading um, to get into it some granted not huge assets to to get players on the last year of their deal that's just kind of i don't understand why we're not signing people because that used to be the thing of like there would be a trade and then the new contract would be announced uh but starting with the texans with everyone that they've been fleeced on this year I don't understand why we're not signing these people to to at least some team friendly like here's six million dollars signing bonus deals. I don't get it, but yeah, good fit talent wise. Leonard Williams also got traded. I mean, we're not going to talk about him because he's defense. And if you play in an IDP league, well, good on you. You've got way too much time on your hands. Uh, but Leonard <laughs> Williams was traded to the Giants. Yeah, Nick, I'm pointing, looking right at you. That's <laughs> fired. Take that, IDP assholes. <laughs> um. And Leonard Williams was traded from the Jets to the Giants. And the Giants gave up a third and a fifth for him. And it's like, what are you doing, Giants? Like, yes, that's a great – he's a he's a very talented player, and you can see what you have in him, but you still have to give him a contract if you want to keep him around. You're not – you can't do a one-year rental when you aren't going to make a playoff push this year. So it's, it's interesting that teams are who aren't necessarily making a playoff run are trading in order to fill a void as opposed to just being like, well, we're going to go into the shitter and try to get a good draft pick. I don't know. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm here for a, a far more trade-happy NFL. It's much more exciting. I think my favorite thing about this deal is a trend that I've been seeing on Twitter for the past few days of uh, people calling this the first New York to New York trade. And then two days earlier, someone asking if they consider the Buffalo Bills a New York team. And then Buffalo Bills Twitter tweeting... We are literally the only <laughs> pro football team in New York. So that's been a fun couple of days on Twitter. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Well done, Buffalo. Uh, moving on in the tidbits, 
the rookie running backs that we've all been excited about finally broke out and did something. You had Miles Sanders, who had 74 yards on three carries and a, and a whopping touchdown. It was like a 50-yard touchdown that he ran through the Bills' defense while catching 44 yards on three balls. David Montgomery had 27 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown. And Devin Singletary on the other side of that Eagles-Bills uh, game had only 19 yards rushing, but had 30 yards catching on four catches and a touchdown. Uh, is there any one of these three that we should touch on? I know, Nick, you, well, we've basically talked about every single one of these running backs with much admiration and a plum because we've liked them all. Why don't we start with uh, Nick? Who's, who of those three are you most excited about going forward in the rest of the season? Uh, well, I, it's, this is probably won't be a surprise. It's, it's Miles Sanders. Uh, he looked phenomenal and, and his usage is outstanding. I think um, on today's ringer show, uh, Danny Kelly mentioned that he, he leads the team. He leads the Eagles in receptions of 25 yards or more. Uh, he's, he's lining up all over the formation. The dude's a, a stud and, and he's finally, his breakout has kind of been gradual. And I think that people have been ignoring it because he hasn't been finding the end zone, but the yardage has been there. Like he's been around a hundred yards from scrimmage for a few weeks now. Um, the concern is that he hurt his shoulder. However, x-rays came back negative and the results from the MRI were deemed that he would be quote fine. Uh, he might miss some practice this week, but he is expected to play this weekend. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, like New I'm York locking him in. players fine or like actually fine. <laughs> I mean, Gase, no, Good I, pop yeah, culture no, no, reference, no, no, Clark. actually, uh, actually fine. <laughs> Um, I'm like actually I'm, helping play. Yeah, the Jets are uh, actually the Jets. The the Eagles um, help me out, guys. There, who, who who is it they're playing this week? I I just had this. Um, Ooh, I just I can had look it too. It up. Uh, they are playing wrong Sanders. Uh, so they're playing Chicago, which is interesting because um, the first thing I think of is like, oh, shit, the Bears defense. The Bears defense sucks. Bears defense not good against anymore. the running backs. They So they're, they're still a, a, a terrifying pass rush team. But they're like, I think they're in the top five. I'll have to check my notes later on. But I think they're in the top five uh, most running back friendly uh, defenses in the NFL. So I if I've got Sanders or Howard, I'm starting both of them. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Nick, I'm sorry, but I think Miles Sanders is going to take a back seat next week because you guys, it's a Jordan Howard's revenge game. Yeah, revenge game. Revenge game. That always takes It's a narrative-based podcast. Yeah, it's a revenge. Yeah, revenge narrative. Clark, which of those three running backs are you most excited for going forward now that they've finally shown us something? I'm with Nick here. I think Sanders is the most exciting because I think he's on the best offense. And at the beginning of the year, I said, you should bet on Jordan Howard until it's obvious that you shouldn't. And now it is obvious that you shouldn't No, because you're, you're no, right. They're right. For five or six games. And now Miles Sanders has finally mm-hmm. uh, kind of gotten the aplomb that all of his backers have said that he deserved. He's, he's broken out. We've uh, decided that the Eagles coaching staff is good. And even they could not stare this truth in the face and not give him more work. Uh, I, I'm excited about the other two as well, whose names are escaping me. It's not important. Uh, but the, you just want the back in the best offense, and that's that's Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm excited personally. I mean, it's partially because I have a lot of shares of him, but also just because I'm hoping that the Bears finally have realized that David Montgomery is good and that they should give him 20-plus carries every game and keep the ball out of Mitchell Trubisky's hands. But who knows if that's actually going to happen or not. But I was just happy to finally see David Montgomery like 
piece it all together and put together a very strong performance. One that kind of uh, uh, rewarded and, and gave all of us Montgomery truthers, you know, uh, a leg to stand on. Hey, I, I, in August, I think I was saying he was like a top 12 lock. I mean, um, no one was more of a truther than Nick. Nobody ever. And so, <laughs> yeah, he the, he looks good. It was a, a great workload for him. The unfortunate thing is he now has to go against the buzzsaw that is the Philadelphia Eagles run defense. You can't start him this week. I mean, no, you, you could it's like a, it's a tough match. Flex him, but it it's not it, it it's, it's probably going to be real because like, they don't have to play defense against Mitchell Trubisky. Right. You know, yeah, you just put, just load up. put 11 yeah. in the box and say, Mitch, yeah. how are you? <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on in tidbits. The Lions backfield that everyone thought for sure was going to be Ty Johnson's to uh, to run away with against a terrible Giants running uh, run defense did not happen. That did not come true as Trey Carson, the former Packers practice squad back, uh, got the bulk of the workload. Clark, are you wanting to pay any attention to the Detroit's backfield and try to figure it out? Or you're just like, all right, well, that was my one chance. Ty Johnson's not the clear guy. I'm out. I think that I'll price enforce again, but but I'm going to love the drain that the Detroit backfield is putting on everybody <laughs> else's fab. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. I haven't had time to watch the game yet. I just looked at some stats and realized things did not go as some folks had thought it might, and that was a good guess, right? I mean, like, this guy's going to be the starter. He he went in there uh, to when carry on got hurt. So it, it made perfect sense, but it didn't work out that way. And so now there'll be a lot of more uh, speculation in the waiver wire and free agency uh, this week. It'll be fun. Dude, pop a bottle to celebrate all of your league mates who dumped 60 buckets of their buckets budgets on Ty Johnson. Oh, it is the time to, to just blow the, the, the fab. But I, I that being said, I'm still going to rank Ty Johnson as the, the lead runner in that backfield this week. He, I, I've got him as an RB3 uh, because he won the snap count battle with the other backs. So, like, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, oh, it seems like that was the intended usage was to get him out there, but then they just ran Carson anyway. I don't know. Um, I My hopes for him, though, have plummeted from, like, 20 touch running back to right, right. they're like Phew, i don't know if you want to play he's that like guy. oh RB3. maybe he's going to get 10 touches a game and that is not exciting yeah yeah and, and this is, very... is with four teams on by you guys he can't get into the rb2s with four teams on by sorry clark go for it man no it's all right it this is for, for those of us who've been judicious with the fab budget uh you have to remain patient chase edmonds was the right call and he got hurt. So that's that's not a bad process decision. Someone who really came in and lit it up on an offense that's doing well. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but you have to remain patient in these last couple of days. We're getting into week eight, nine, ten of the NFL season. Running backs are starting to get injured. And this is when you have that opportunity to swoop in and get that last couple of pieces that are going to help you win your Super Bowl. So be patient. There's not really anybody this week, unless Miles Sanders and Singletary and those guys are available in your league. You should play in a different league if they're available. <laughs> uh, you know, they're not going to be out there. So there's not really any big blow your fat budget guys this week for me. Well, funny you should say that. There aren't any running backs, I would say. But moving on to the next tidbit, uh, Brandon Cooks suffered another concussion, his like fifth in the last three months. So who knows how long he's going to be out for, but replacing him 
is Josh Reynolds, who we've seen Josh Reynolds play. He's the fourth string wide receiver in L.A., and we've seen him play before last year when Cooper Cup got injured. Reynolds posted 29 catches for 402 yards and five touchdowns last year uh, playing in state in space of Cooper Cup. And he came in against the Bengals and, of course, lit them up because the Bengals are hot trash. He is someone who I think can be a missing who can be a final piece to a championship fantasy squad. And if you've got a lot of your fab budget left over, he's one of my top, if not my top waiver wire get for this week, just because I trust that Rams offense because their schedule is not bad. And because we've seen prior success from him before playing in basically the exact same role that he'd be playing in uh, this this time around. Yeah, I like it. All Josh Reynolds does is catch touchdowns when he finally gets to play. And the Dolphins are going to mess up and win this game, which is great for my Are game. they currently winning right now? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lord. Yeah. I, I, I got a lot of on this Kenyon game. Drake this was all that was holding this team back. Um, yeah, I uh, Josh Reynolds will not be my top uh, waiver wire ad, but I'm also bad at adding receivers. So, you know, maybe ignore me. Uh, also in injury news, we have two other injuries. DG Westbrook left the game with an injury, which also boosts up Chris Connolly, who came in and immediately had a big old touchdown, uh, which looks great too. He's another guy who I think you could certainly target. Uh, he, the Jags offense, I think is a little less predictable in my mind. It's good. Gardner Minshew has proven that any receiver that's open, he can get the ball to, uh, I have more faith in the Rams offense, but I think Chris Connolly is also another great get. Um, and then finally Joe Flacco has a herniated disc in his neck after he just took a wallop. <laughs> Joe of Flacco hit. had a case of the talks. Joe, yeah. So that was, <laughs> so I saw that. So Joe Flacco's post game interview was basically, he's like, we're a two and six team. What the fuck are we doing? Like, let's go, let's throw the ball on third and five as opposed to running it when they know we're going to run it. And then like <laughs> less than 24 hours later, Joe Flacco goes on IR. <laughs> I think Joe Flacco's had a neck injury. Like, you know, I don't know. It's gangrella sounds like I just imagine that's, no, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, but the Joe Flacco injury, whilst he doesn't have much fantasy value, kind of torpedoes my rising Cortland Sutton stock, which is upsetting. Dude, yeah, that's brutal. You know who's starting? It's like some trash guy because fucking Drew Locke is still injured. Hey, Sorry, who is it? Brand, yeah, Brandon Allen, and he hasn't quite played uh, a regular season snap, even though this is his fourth year in the league. Cool, but cool, good. That's going to do it. And he's, I think, dead last in the rankings this week. That's a win. Corlin Sutton's yeah. going to rise above. I just, yeah, it's gonna be in, in situations like this, I just, this is what happens when you say things that are stupid, like Joe Flacco's the worst quarterback ever. It's like, guys, no, <laughs> guys. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's great, but right. like, let's, but, <laughs> but there are many people that are worse than him, and you do not Me want them. Brandon. Meet meet Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Jesus, hey, maybe Brandon's good. I don't like yeah. just calling people trash That's unless fair. they are trash. Like Brandon, I apologize. I, just said, I apologize. I just called trash. I just I called him trash, and I apologize for calling I know. him trash. I'm talking Pete again. This is why you're again. a top golf person. I know. Not a I know. Golf person. This is why I get kicked off the course. Don't bring to a golf. Mini golf. Mini golf is my future and my life because their shit talking is encouraged. It's the only place where I thrive. Uh, Awesome. Well, there you go. Those were week nine uh, fantasy football tidbits. 
All right. While we get the rest of season simulator up and running and dust brushed off and pulled out of the closet and fully operational, we are going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back, and now it is time that you've all been waiting for to dust off our rest of the season simulator, a machine we spent our entire budget on last year, and it's 100% accurate. It will predict what a player will do for the rest of the season. So we each have got two players that we're going to make a case for or against for the rest of the year and see what the Ross machine says. So we're going to uh, turn the machine on and... Hi. Oh, you you okay, Ross? You seem kind of down. I saw a psychiatrist at work today. Right, this is going to be interesting. With I, I was hoping that the whole thing was coming back for this show all day today, but I didn't want to ask and ruin it. I'm, I'm very happy that Ross oh, is back with us. Ross is back. Ross is back. He seems to be going through some things, but maybe he'll still be able to give us some, uh, I don't know, some accurate predictions. Uh, I hope he's, I hope he's prepared. But we'll see. Clark, we'll start with you. Give us a first player that you are going to make a case for or against rest of the season. So this one's pretty simple, and hopefully the prediction is bold enough uh, to make this payoff. So I think Matt Stafford is a top four quarterback the rest of the way. The Lions want to run the ball, uh, but they appear more willing to pass. And so finally, uh, the last person in America to realize this uh, <laughs> is that the Lions are built to pass. They actually have a very good quarterback in a very good receiving core. So hopefully their amazing young quarterback or uh, running back getting injured is finally paving the way for Matt Stafford to do well. He tore it up this week. His next few games are the Raiders, the Bears. They host the Cowboys. Then they play the Washington football team, host the Bears. Minnesota's going to be tough week 14. Uh, but then to finish off the fantasy playoffs, they host the Buccaneers and go on the road to face the Broncos. So I like Matt Stafford the rest of the way. His, the the bye week is out of the way. Uh, you probably picked him up uh, to replace Dak Prescott. Maybe I'm just speaking like maybe, maybe from personal experience happened. and I'm just going to ride him for the rest of the year. What do y'all think? Yeah, I I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan. He's long been one of my favorite sleeping, sleeping because uh, he takes a lot of naps, sleeper quarterbacks of, and drafts that you can get him basically in like the final two or three rounds of any draft. And he routinely was producing as a top six fantasy quarterback. It's only been this year that he's kind of had hiccups along the way. And those hiccups along the way have only been because of play calling. It hasn't been because he's been 
bad or has been play, has played worse and we've seen that as soon as they've stopped relying on the run or wanting to emphasize the run Matt Stafford comes out and just casually starts chucking for 300 plus yards and multiple touchdowns like it's no thing so I totally buy this and I, I am fully invested in it I, I I'm only gonna do this once you guys imagine if they had not friggin <laughs> traded away Golden Tate and I they know. had that complete receiving core here. He I, so I fully endorse the the Stafford support. I think he's QB six for me this week. Uh, they have indeed figured out that throwing very deep, very early, and often is a good thing to do. Um, they're they're using smart. I don't know may, smart play calling. Maybe he finally talked to the analytics department. But uh, yeah, they're this is a different team than what opened the season. I'm, I'm very on board and, and I just wish that they had not been like, well, let's just get rid of one of our better receivers. Like, yeah. If they had well, those, did you see two receivers set. Yeah. Be, did you see after the game too, after the giants game, there was like a bunch of pictures that came out of golden Tate, like taking photos with teammates and teammates, families oh. and like fans. And you're just like, Oh God, golden Tate. Oh, clearly really, wants to be in Detroit. I wish that he had not allegedly slept with Russell Wilson's wife so he could be in Seattle still. That would have been. With Rihanna? Been. Nope. <laughs> so that was, he was married to somebody else when he first came here. And then they divorced. And uh, the rumors, I, I reported this. I put this in one of our articles. I, I talked to an employee from the, the BMAC who was like, yeah, uh, that that was the talk of the down during that point in time. Because I, I ask them like did that actually happen they were like no one was really questioning it damn russell no. wilson anyway. drama brought to you by the rb1 podcast yeah. uh Probably all right getting him on the show matt stafford top four quarterback uh we're going to type let me make some real scientific machine noises people people bap, bap. type that into the ross machine and we'll see what ross generates ah love <laughs> <laughs> L-O-V-E, love. L is for life. And what is life without love? He seems to approve, but also is getting... Ross, you seem to have some issues going on. He seems to be very philosophical right now, which is not a bad thing, but maybe let's uh, just give ourselves some concise answers here from now on. Uh, Nick, who's a player that you are making a pitch for or against for the rest of the year? So we'll, we'll finish things off here with uh, what we were talking about earlier. Austin Hooper, man. So this dude uh, going into week eight was the tight end one across all formats, which I don't think anybody expected. Uh, he, he rounded out my like usable tight end tier as sort of the final tight end tier during draft season. Uh, boy, has he paid off. This week, he racked up, he caught six of seven balls for 65 yards and a score. If that doesn't keep him in the, you know, top three or with Matty Schaub at quarterback. Exactly. Let yeah. The record show. Matt Schaub. Yeah. Uh, if that doesn't keep him in, uh, you know, in the top one or two, uh, I, I don't know what will. So I assume, I expect him to, to retain his overall tight end one, uh, uh, position on the year after week eight has concluded i'm not expecting mason rudolph here who's just been running into the dolphins pass rush so far uh, oh my god the dolphins are gonna win this game <laughs> yeah it's, yeah um but anyway uh for my rest of season rankings which uh thank you bobby dukenwa yeah yes we can do a rest of season ranking so um i'm i'm through around the top 60 right now hopefully we'll get this out uh tomorrow if not sooner um but for the rest of the year Austin Hooper, as of now, is my player number 35, and he's my tight end, too, behind Travis Kelsey. 
Yeah, he's been a monster and has seen consistent targets, consistent workload. And the thing is, I think the biggest, it's not, I wouldn't call it so much as like a out of the blue, complete shock or surprise that he is ascended to the level that he's at. We've seen flashes of this before in seasons past where he's put together like a couple really big games. It's just the fact that in the Falcons offense, he hadn't seen the regular workload to the point where he was a reliable tight end one. And now he's seeing that workload and we're seeing what we have seen glimpses of in seasons prior, all coalescing into like a consistently performing tight end. Uh, And so I think it's a fantastic. So you're saying he's the number one the rest of the way or retains his number one position? I, uh, I've i got him, at, for if we were drafting today, he would be my tight end two behind Kelsey. I believe that Austin Hooper is the definition of a man taking advantage of his situation. And there's a lot, like, that sounds disparaging, and I don't mean it that way. He's just not an incredibly athletic tight end, but that doesn't matter because he's getting the ball and he's a featured part of a really good offense. The only argument I would make against him uh, from here to the end of the season being the number one tight end, which is not the argument you're making now that we've clarified, is I think Hunter Henry is going to have to Mm. step up for the Chargers. And he's the only guy I think, you know, outside of Kelsey that I would put ahead of him because Hooper is just getting such consistent work. Uh, When your tight end has a bad game and gets you five points, that's really good this year. Yeah. Yeah. So the tight end pool is terrible. Hooper does have some decent uh, combine numbers, but um, I yeah, uh, to, to onion curtain it or whatever, uh, Hunter Henry is my tight end three. Uh, so so no no shade to Hunter there. Um, but I think I, I, I kind of think you guys, we, we talked about uh, Muhammad Sanu, his departure sort of being due to Calvin Ridley ascending. I kind of think it was just because Hooper took over in the middle of the field. They yeah. didn't, they, well, oh, and they got to, a second round pick for him, which is like that oh, too. Pretty yeah. good return. But yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's, that's a good point that a lot of people attributed it to Calvin Ridley and wanting to get him more snaps or, or more usage. But in reality, it could just be that Austin Hooper has kind of made Sanu redundant. Awesome. No, Austin Hooper tight end two from here on out in terms of rankings. Uh, what does the Ross machine have to say about that? And let's try to try to give us a concise answer, Ross. All right. What? No. <laughs> what are you doing? Get off my sister! Nick, Nick, are you on Ross's sister right now? No, I'm on my couch. Okay, Ross, you need to take a grip of your surroundings and recognize that we are all here to support you and to love you, but please don't make false accusations about things that Nick is doing right now. Okay. Yeah, I feel like he has a misunderstanding, and that's why he disagreed with my take. Yeah, I think I think that you're not giving us concise responses so much as you are just kind of taking out your annoyances with each of us individually, and that's not a professional way to be, Ross. Um, so let's try to keep it professional from here on out. Uh, okay, I have a hard time believing in Keenan Allen rest of the season. And I'm happy for you guys to try to convince me otherwise. But in the last three weeks, he's gone over 60 yards once. And just recently has he started seeing double-digit targets again. Not even catches, targets. For a good, for like the last four weeks, he was averaging five targets. And he hasn't caught a touchdown since he started off the year on fire. Four out of their final eight games are against defenses in the top 10, allowing fewest points to wide receivers. 
I we've talked a lot about this offense and a lot of people have because it's one of the most annoying teams in football right now because of their lack of an analytics department, because of the fact that they want to get Melvin Gordon involved, despite the fact that Austin Eckler is clearly the better back there. And the fact that they've just decided that Keenan Allen should be phased out of this team. uh, And in this offense, despite the fact that he started off the game as the best or started off the season as the best wide receiver in football and fantasy football. I don't think that he's going to return to wide receiver one status in the rest of the season. And I think that if you are a Keenan Allen owner, that trading him is a very viable path to go down because I would just want to avoid this whole mess. Yeah. I think there's been some talk of Keenan Allen not being at a hundred percent. And if there's something lingering there and he's not able to play, that's the only thing that's ever been able to stop Keenan Allen in the past. Uh, I, if the Keenan Allen owner in my league was panicking and I could turn Jamal Williams into Keenan Allen in a PPR league, I would jump all over that. But that's, that's kind of a tough thing to say of, you know, if, if I can get him at a discount, I'll take a shot on Keenan Allen to be my third wide receiver to put my team over the hump for the Super Bowl. But yeah, he, he's been struggling and betting on the chargers to figure it out is always a dicey. It's just not what I want to do with my fantasy season on the line. Yeah, so he's got a he's got a hamstring pull that he's fighting through, which is it's like as bad as it gets outside of just something that takes you off the field completely. Uh, he did he he uh, hauled in seven catches last week and and only put at fifty four yards, which it kind of shows that you know if this is like a full point PPR league, then he can get you by on that, right? But um, yeah, it's ever since um, Melvin Gordon walked back through the door, they went ah, now we can establish the run, terrible and. It, they they're i i just it's just it's like anti-vaxxers it's just people who are like no we refuse science we will not look at new things someone told me it's this way i know my neighbor's sick because he got cursed not because of germs and sorry to the anti-vaxxer <laughs> listener that maybe we have but like I just I, lost him. You just lost. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I just lost him. All right. It's we're just, down to, we're, yeah. we've lost our tens. Now we're just 10. <laughs> it's just a bummer. I, I wish he was playing elsewhere, but I do. I, I would echo Clark's sentiment that if you can turn a flex player into Keenan Allen, like, yeah, go yeah. do that. But yeah. it also, to Pete's point, if you can sell him as a wide receiver, one, go do that too. So, Pete, I'm, I'm just curious, what is the type of running back that you would? give up for like would would you take Carlos Hyde for Keenan Allen would you take if I was if I was the Keenan Allen owner and looking to trade him and you needed some help at running back I mean I think I I thought the Jamal Williams wasn't a bad one because I think Jamal Williams has shown that he is integral to that Packers offense and that Packers offense seemingly can feature two running backs now obviously that might change with Devontae Adams returning if he ever returns but I think Williams is someone who's riding a high that is not just like last two games and will crash. I think he's got another couple of games where he's going to do solid production. If I were a Keenan Allen owner, this is also just more a commentary of me personally, of how I am as a fantasy owner, my first two picks. And I think I probably said this before in this podcast, those first two picks are guys who I want to be able to just like plug play, not worry about. And I am, if I'm Keenan, I'm worried. I've been annoyed to this point that I can't really start Keenan Allen consistently because of the fact that he gives you three to five points if you're playing in a standard league. Um, And so anything I can get back in return that even gives me pretty solid production, 
that I'm super happy with because at least that is something that can get me a little extra juice as opposed to then just, you know, having to deal with whether or not I want to start Keenan or not start Keenan. Uh, Ross, what do you have to say on the matter? Very surprising turn of events, <laughs> which I am still fine with, by the way. Okay. I guess. 90s writing was so bad. Hey, hey, Friends was bad. All right. Um, I don't <laughs> know what. Seinfeld is in the 90s, yes. too. Let's not group these things together. I don't know what either of you are talking about. This isn't 90s writing. This is the rest of season simulator robot that I have sitting right next to me that's just saying these right. things. Sorry. Nick, was was Friends before your time? Or was that... Uh, Friends Friends was occurring while I was a child and a, a young teen, and I would sometimes end up watching it. But um, I, for whatever reason, I have always had an internal reaction to laugh tracks. Laugh tracks are disgust. hard. It's just, it's I, very, especially with TV taking such a s- strong stance away from it or moving very strongly away from it. It's very hard to like go back and watch old shows and be like, oh God, this laugh track is really painful. There are, there are news segments and, and news folks who are destroying American lives by misinformation that I loathe. But the Big Bang Theory, when it is on, I, I am never more angry than when I turn on the television and that show is accidentally on and they're fucking laugh tracking at me. It, I, it, makes, me so, it makes me so mad. I want to punch holes through the wall. I hate it. Boundaries established. The, when we have our big team.com <laughs> football match, we just know that we need to pump in yeah. the laugh track uh, and get Nick pumped. It'll Nick will be pump. ready to fight whomever. <laughs> yeah. All we have to do is just play the laugh track from Big Bang Theory ahead of time. He's ready. <laughs> this is how we're going to get Nick oh, in a blind fury to win a death match against, I don't know, some other that's, that's When we take on Roto World or Perfect. Or yes. Gonna it's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> this is how Nick this is how Nick is gonna reign internet supreme. He's gonna challenge Evan Silva to a fight and we're gonna just make him listen to <laughs> I would never fight Mr. Silva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, lose. Nick. Even listening to the uh to the big bang laugh track and turning you into a blind rage monster. I don't know if you'd win that. Uh Let all me right. get like Josh Norris. I could take Josh Norris. There you go. There you go. There you go. Setting your sights a little bit lower. Uh Clark, who's the second player you're gonna talk about and propose to the Ross machine? So I'm I'm also gonna go with an avoid, and this one's tough because you probably spent a lot of draft capital on him, and that's Zach Ertz. The only hope for Ertz to turn it around is that Deshaun Jackson really is the missing piece. And once he comes back, he's gonna open everything up and it's gonna go uh, back to the golden days of yesteryear. But when Deshaun Jackson was playing earlier this year, Zach Ertz was still struggling to produce like he has in the past. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, drop Zach Ertz, but I'm, I'm calling him that he's going to stay where he is about now in the tight end ranks. And for the rest of the year, he's an eight, nine, 10 tight end. And so if you've picked up someone that I've been telling you to pick up for the past three weeks, or if you got lucky and uh, have, have Austin Hooper or something, you know, and you can package Zach Ertz and get something based on his name. He's, it's just not the same this year. Yeah. Time to walk away. I totally 100% endorse this pick. 
I had talked about Zach Ertz. He was one of my top five plays last week against the Bills defense that has had a long history of being phenomenal against shutting down tight ends. He did nothing last week. The targets have been there to a certain extent, but he just hasn't been able to produce on them. Um, and so I, I have, if I were a Zach Ertz owner, I would 100% uh, be worried, be panicking. And I agree with you, Clark. They shouldn't expect a turnaround anytime soon. The only thing that I uh, want to add to this is one, you should probably handcuff him with Dallas Goddard, but actually actual one. Um, Deshaun Jackson is returning to practice this week. He is an element to the offense that has been missing since week two. If, if he returns this week and suddenly defenses actually have to account for something, or a player that's you know further than 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, that could drastically change the offense and the offensive production for everyone involved. So I, I agree uh, we need to lower our expectations for Zach Ertz, but, but I think it is possible that sort of the whole offense can take a step forward if Deshaun Jackson is able to practice in full this week and, and come back and, and do his thing and take the top off. Totally, yeah. But I agree that even with that, it's more likely than not, in my mind at least, that he's he's not going to return to that top three status. And we talked about that even, like we were talking about that during back the offseason when we were doing tight end week on fake teams. We were talking about of those three guys, Ertz, Kittle, and uh, Kelsey, that Ertz was easily the one we were least confident in and was most likely to fall out of that top three. And that has happened. Hogley dogley. Uh, oh, we got to... We have to ask the Ross machine what they think of this, and uh, and hopefully we get a concise answer because he's a little off the rails right now. I I, I haven't had sex in a very long time. <laughs> All right, Ross machine, let's uh, stick to football here. I think you need to uh, take a little break and just uh, compose yourself. We're being recorded here. We're alive, Nicholas. Second player that you are talking about for the rest of the season that you would like to propose to this, I don't know what you can describe this machine now as sex-deprived, you know, having an ego crisis, Ross machine. Um, you threw me with that one. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, next player next player up, uh, Aaron Jones. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast the last, like, week, two weeks. Uh what we've seen is that although Jamal Williams is also producing in the box score, there have been on-field reasons for it happening. So two weeks ago, it was uh, Jones getting benched because of the dropped pass and the fumble. Uh, they went right back to him last week, though, and he finished, I believe, as the overall RB1. We'll see how this game wraps up. Uh, Jones, that is. On top of that, he also had a, a, a touchdown called back from stepping out at the one-yard line uh, that, you know, he was trying to tip the, 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 the sideline and ended up accidentally stepping out. Uh, Williams and Jones were on the field at the same time for the next play, and they handed off to Williams. He converted. So he, he even had a touchdown, you know, called back that basically was a, a two inches or of his foot that, that caused that to be negated. The important thing here is even after his his uh, uh, bungled performance in week seven, they still went back to him in week eight as the lead back. I like Jamal Williams as a matchup based flex play and this this uh, this upcoming matchup. What is it against the the Chargers? Um, is an awesome matchup for for that whole team, or excuse me, for the uh, for the run game. I'm, I'm double checking to make sure that I've I've got this got my head on straight here. Um, yeah, Chargers. <clears throat> um, Chargers can't stop anything on the ground. They just made David Montgomery look like the player I thought he was. Uh, 
Aaron Jones is a, I think, top 10 option, if not top seven, maybe even top five for the rest of the year. The the play calling has changed. Uh, again, I, so I, I on the last last week's podcast, broke down um, their, their pass to run ratio on early downs or their passing ratio on early downs. Again, this week, Aaron Rodgers completed, uh, I think he attempted like 22 passes on first and second and only uh, seven, I think, on third. They are throwing early, which makes it easier for the rest of the team. The usage uh, that that Aaron Jones is getting is both intelligent and and highly efficient. Um, and they're also talking openly now about how Aaron Rodgers gets autonomy. Uh, this is also from the Ringer podcast today uh, in the red zone and in the two minute drill. You you mix all these things together, and this offense is not the offense that we saw at the beginning of the year. It's now a high high octane one. And uh, the lead back, Aaron Jones, is in line for like 20 touches a game. Jamal Williams is still a very viable player, too. But I think Jamal Williams is now playing at a like first round pick. Anyway, sorry for the soliloquy there, guys, but tear me apart. No, I totally agree with you. In fact, I was going to I do a weekly buy or sell uh, article at Fake Teams. And I like to tweet out the questions that I have and, and get the people's opinion as whether or not they're buying or selling it. And I, my, I normally do five and I did five this week too. And that's coming out. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, it's coming out Tuesday, but I was going to do a six. One of my sixth one was going to be Aaron Jones is going to, it's basically a one, a two person race between Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey for who's going to finish RB one this year. Uh, and whether or not you're buying that or not. And I would totally buy that. I think that while Dalvin cook has been phenomenal, uh, for the Vikings that Aaron Jones, the way that they're using Aaron Jones is that he has been wildly productive on the ground and through the air. If Aaron Jones finished as the best running back in fantasy this year, it wouldn't surprise me. I like the pick. He is really kind of showing a rookie up and down kind of season, amazing athleticism followed by a lot of uh, bungled moves, but the coaching staff, like you mentioned, is going back to him. They're not pulling the Patriots where after he makes a mistake, he gets benched for the rest of the game or for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, so I'm with you. He's, he's playing out of his mind. And, uh, yeah, just, just on the Jamal Williams front, there's just so much to go around with the resurging yeah. Packers yeah. offense that that's why Williams has value, not necessarily because he's, you know, on par athletically. He seems to be uh, the uh, catnip for coaches style running back, but uh, we're just seeing too much out of Jones to, to keep so- yeah, yeah. Something that, that Jamal Williams does very well is is uh, pass protect. He's he's very good at uh, doubling as a, a blocker. And uh, you know, when you're protecting Aaron Rodgers, that's awesome. Pete, would you mind if I I hop in and did my third one here really quick before I go? Sure. Since you do have a third one, you overachiever, yeah. you overachiever. Yeah. No. Uh, I think that Lashawn McCoy is a buy right now. Um, this last game, he ended up his box score ended up being pretty woeful, but. His usage was there. I believe he saw five targets, and I think he had 11 carries. Uh, and he was benched after fumbling in the third quarter. He His whole thing this year, and Andy Reid's whole thing this year, has been he will get more on his plate as he masters pass protection. He has continued to get better in the pass protection responsibilities. He is seeing more touches, and now he's seeing work through the air, which he was not seeing early on. I think that we are seeing him basically just take over the lead back duties in Kansas City. It's uh, Damian Williams will be there, but Damian Williams did not get significant work until LaShawn McCoy had fumbled and was benched. So assuming that they go back to him this week, which, you know, we're, we're acquiring a guy who's basically been a, a matchup based flex play, but, you know, it's not going to take a lot. 
um, that, that's an investment worth making if, if, if I am right here and he actually is taking over the RB1 spot in KC. Uh, sort of related. What the hell with Darwin Thompson? Can we just can we can we just give him twenty five carries one day him. to see what happens? Yeah. Can we just can we let? I've that... dropped him, so it's okay now. So we can do it. He can break out. Let it happen. Yeah. Let the breakout happen. Let's add more speed to this offense since this offense seemed slow Sunday night. It didn't. It was still crazy fast. But yeah, adding, yeah, adding more speed would be fine. Uh, quick, Nick, before you go, let's let's pump these yeah. into the Ross machine, and we'll and we'll see what he has to say. Cool. Thank you. No, I I, I need to lie down. <laughs> I think that's this probably best. Positive. I think that's probably best for Ross if we just let you lie down. Ross, we're going to uh, finish the rest of the podcast without you. Is that okay? Fine by me. Okay. This you lay down. Let's uh let's stay calm and and let's we'll get there. You, okay. you are a whirlwind of emotion right now. Well, Ross, so this is clear. kind of like cheat day. Like you really look forward to it, and then you eat shitty food, and you feel like crap, and remember why you stopped eating shitty food. Like I was really looking forward to this, and then I remembered it was friends, and it's like. Eh. Next next year we'll next year we'll find a different TV show to build our machine around Clark. It's, it's the robot. It's not the show. It's just it's the, the robot. Robot programming. Oh well, there goes Nick. Bye, Bye Nick. Nick. Uh, all right, Clark. Well, since it's just you and me, this one is dedicated just solely to you. This rest of the season uh, pick, Tevin Coleman, baby. Buy all your shares of Tevin Coleman. He's now the lead back in the best run scheme in the NFL. And you know what happens when you're the lead back and a good back in a Kyle Shanahan offense? 2015-2016, he was the OC for the Falcons. Devontae Freeman was the RB1 and the RB6 in those years. I'm not saying Tevin Coleman is going to immediately ascend to those numbers, but he's currently, I think, the RB... Wait, let me do, let me, uh, let me, let me, let me do some research. Currently the RB20, but if you look at the last four weeks, over the last four weeks, he jumps up to the RB4. Uh, And so I think that his level of production that we've seen in the last four weeks is completely sustainable. Obviously, the reason why he's so low is because he's, he missed three weeks with an injury. And now since he's gone back, he's taken over that backfield. Matt Breida is now injured. I think that this is the exact reason why Kyle Shanahan went out and sign Tevin Coleman is because he knows how to use him. He has an idea of how to use him. And we saw it. He scored four touchdowns last week. And I don't think that's now his norm, but I think that Tevin Coleman has a real chance to be a top five running back from here on out. Yeah. I railed against Tevin Coleman all off season and said, Matt Brito was the running back to own. And, you know, it appears that was incorrect. Well, you're not wrong. Matt Breida just gets injured and also seemingly can't uh, can't kind of get his way out of the 49ers backfield, which is consistently trying to replace him with other running backs, even though he's phenomenally talented. Can we get him traded at the deadline? The Texans might give up uh, four <laughs> first-round picks for him. <laughs> but think of how happy you would be to have Matt Breida running in your backfield. To have Matt Breida backing up Duke Johnson. (laughs) Backing up Carlos Hyde. (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. I don't love your pain, Clark, but I I love watching it from a distance. Uh, Quick, week nine waiver wire ads. Who you targeted and who you're going to get. So uh, I'll go real quick, and I have a question that I'm going to cheat with. Uh, So in week 16, which is the fantasy 
Super Bowl, the Dolphins are hosting the Bengals. So just going to plant this seed. Would you bet your Super Bowl on Andy Dalton if you've been streaming? Because despite what we're seeing right now and during Monday Night Football, Miami is not good. Uh, then That's fun. I like that question. Either Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles will be facing the Falcons. Oh! So be still my beating heart. Yeah, I, I just like to look into this. Uh, and and along those same lines, this, it may be a little early for this, but Daniel Jones had a good game this last week. And uh, weeks 14 to 16, Daniel Jones is facing Philly, Miami, and Washington. That's a pretty good a- <laughs> playoff run. But you're going to have to get some tailored pants if you're going to put in Daniel Jones uh, to be your quarterback. I don't know if you're desperate, I'd go for it. Uh, my, my main waiver wire pickup this week is, again, for the third week in a row, Darren Fells is your tight end replacement. He's still only owned in 19% of Which Yahoo blows team. my mind. Darren Fells plays for the Texans, by the way, guys. Uh, the only way you'll know that is by uh, looking at the box score because the Texans don't get a lot of national attention, and that's totally fair. Uh, but but he's just a solid tight end, uh, and Deshaun Watson throws it to who's open. And uh, Fells is about the fifth option on that team. Uh, teams are rightly letting him run free, and he's taking advantage of it. So five touchdowns already this season, and he's just a part of the offense. So a good tight end fill-in, Darren Fells. Not even a good tight end felon, a great tight end felon. He's currently the tight end six in standard and tight end eight in PPR. Um, and again, for my buy sell article that's coming out on Tuesday, one of the questions that I did pose to people was that there are only six tight ends that you should not drop uh, for Darren Fells. And like that, if you look at what six tight ends means, it means you're dropping one of Zach Ertz or Hunter Henry for him. Because I think that there are a lot of six tight ends. There's Travis Kelsey. There is George Kittle. There is Evan Ingram. There's Darren Waller. There is, uh, I would say, Hunter Henry. And there's one other one who I'm forgetting. And it's going to kill me because I definitely said it was six. Did you say Kittle? I thought I said Kittle. Uh, I did say Kittle. It was, oh, Austin Hooper. Duh. Oh, and Mark Andrews. Oh, so you're dropping both. <laughs> I'm saying you dropped both Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry for for uh, Darren Falls. Well, I'm sticking to it. Anyways. So in classic throwing good money after bad, I am holding on to Chris Herndon. We've Ooh, come this far. Saucy. I, I've, I've wasted a roster spot for you're eight like, you got it. You're committed now. You guys got to hold on. Yeah, I that's fair. Know. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, my waiver wire targets. I already talked about, and I really think this, like I already talked about, uh, about Josh Reynolds and I'm hundred percent on Josh Reynolds train. Like, if you need wide receiver help, you go get him because we've seen what he can do in the Rams offense when he's filling in for one of those three receivers. And I think that he will do similar things this year as long as Brandon Cooks is out. And since this is Brandon Cooks' like fifth concussion within the last year or so, this is it's starting to get the point where he might be out for a long time and might even seriously consider retiring. Another guy who I think you should be targeting on waiver wires is Alexander Madison, who has shown himself a few times to be a very capable backup to Dalvin Cook. He's the running back in Minnesota. And more so than just being a running back, like a backup, I think that he's consistently been able to give you a little bit less than flex production. But the biggest thing is that he's a great fill-in for if you're in a super deep league uh, for bye weeks. It also helps that his week nine matchup is against the Kansas City Chiefs, that same Chiefs defense that we just saw Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams torch, both of them. 
so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another big showing from Dalvin Cook, obviously, but then Alexander Madison, who has seen himself get a lot of play time when the Vikings want to run the ball and have a, have a good lead to work with. So uh, another guy that I think you should be targeting off waivers. I like it. I play in a deep league where everyone has to start three running backs and recently uh, took a little hit on value at running back to get Mike Evans and Madison is now my third back in that role in the flex role. He's showing, first of all, the Vikings are running enough to support two running backs and, you know, one amazing league winner and one marginal back. Uh, So getting some production from someone who is perhaps the most valuable handcuff in fantasy now is it's a nice little treat. It's a, it's a, it makes the pill of using a roster spot on someone who's not going to get a ton of time a little bit easier. So yeah, nope. I definitely agree. Awesome. Uh, well, there you go. Predicted the rest of the season for you correctly with our, I don't know, having a mental breakdown Ross machine and, uh, some week nine waiver wire targets that you need to go get always a productive podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whole nine yards. We are there. Fake teams podcast channel. Leave us a review. Drop us five stars. If you leave any kind of start, sit or fantasy question in the comments, we'll make sure to answer it on the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at RB one podcast. Follow myself at Pete M Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick who left us early. Follow him at ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We'll be back at you guys on Thursday to talk Week nine starts and sits until then. Peace.